I'm going to go out on a limb and say this either is or will become your favorite podcast. This is Cheryl, the show that's so good, you got to tell someone about it. Every episode, we explore the impact of people and technology on our lives and careers, and we send you away with something shareable. Now, without further ado, let's get to it. Hey, hey, hey. I'm not sure if you uh, caught last week's episode, but if you didn't, this is just a little bit of quick housekeeping and a big announcement. The big announcement is this. This is uh, episode 101 that we're currently listening to. I've got uh, only a few more episodes that are in the queue uh, currently. Uh, and the reason for that is that uh, Shareable is actually winding down. I'm no longer going to be producing episodes of Shareable. Uh, it's been a great run, over 100 episodes, amazing guests. Um, but the exploration of people and technology and the impact it's had on our lives and careers, while interesting, was really, I think, a stepping stone for what I'm doing next, which is the big announcement uh, beyond the fact that Shareable shutting down is that I'm launching a new podcast, and the new podcast is called Rogue. Rogue is an X-Men character who has the ability to absorb other people's superpowers by touch. And that inspired me. Well, I guess that is the inspiration behind the name of the show, Rogue. Um, but the show itself is about talking to people who have exceptional and extraordinary abilities, uh, whether it be in marketing, sales, leadership, building great company cultures. Uh, it could be in cooking. It could be in just about any area of life. But I am going to be talking to star performers, people that excel in different areas of life, and I'm going to be trying to understand their origin story. Where did they come from? When did they first realize that they have this superpower? How did they cultivate the superpower? What are the things that they had to overcome in which to nurture and make that superpower into something that they could use on a regular basis to make the world a better place? So Rogue is going to be a show where I bring on incredible guests and I'm going to be really delving into their past, their present, and their future and giving you, the listener, the tools to be able to understand how to develop those very same superpowers yourself. It's going to be actionable. It's going to be long form. So it's going to be a slightly longer type of episode where we can really get into the nuance of bigger, deeper discussions. And the ultimate goal is to really, as superheroes, try to understand how we can make the world a better place. So all of the people that I bring on, their superpowers make the world better. They enrich the lives of people and they, in some small measure or in some large measure, improve the state of the world. That's what the show is going to be about. I hope that you join me and listen to it. Uh, if you want to find out more information, you can go to my website, jeffgibbard.com slash rogue, R-O-G-U-E. Um, thanks for listening all this time. You've been an amazing part of the shareable journey. I could not have done this show without you, your feedback, your comments, your reviews, and everything. And I just want you to know that I appreciate you. And today's episode is going to be with Chuck Hester. You're going to learn all about how to use LinkedIn like a pro. Hey, this is Chuck Hester. I'm a LinkedIn speaker, trainer, marketing communications executive. I'm also author of a couple of books, one that's out right now in second edition called Linking in the Pay It Forward, Changing the Value Proposition Social Media. And the second one, which is in the works, called uh, Social Media for the Rest of Us, a Boomer's Perspective. Uh, happy to be here today with Jeff. Very cool, Chuck. Well, thank you for coming on the show. Uh, what our listeners won't know is uh, how much you and I went through to actually get ourselves on the show together. All of the, you know, a couple times you had to cancel, a couple times I had to cancel. So after all of this, we are finally here together to chat. So yeah, exactly. I your flexibility on everything. It's very cool. 
Um, so I, I guess the first thing, you know, I've done my homework on you and you and I run in a lot of the same circles. Um, and what I'm curious about, given all of the work that I've seen you've been doing over the last, let's call it six or seven years of work, uh, mm-hmm. you're so heavy into LinkedIn. I'm curious actually what you were doing before LinkedIn and if you can kind of contextualize the journey for us that, that brought you there because you have had a career, if you're writing a book for boomers, you've had a career long before LinkedIn ever existed. So talk to me yeah. about what brought you to this point. Yeah, and that's a lot of what I talk about in, in some of the, uh, the conversations that I have with folks and the presentations that I do. Um, I've been in marketing public relations for certain goal, call like 35 plus years. A friend of mine always says, you know, it's 20 years. Now look it up again, it's 35. Um, but I've been doing PR marketing most of my life. Journalism guy from USC and was a writer uh, and got into PR uh, kind of back into the PR by doing writing for a PR agency. That's kind of how it started. Um, so I've been doing PR since mid seventies, something like that. Uh, was around when my first portable computer uh, was a size of a large suitcase. So uh, know it well, um, but you know, fast forward to the late nineties and, and early two thousands when the internet really became uh, something that was of importance. And that's where I really got with LinkedIn. And LinkedIn uh, has been allowed me to uh, to get a, several different jobs and a lot of cool gigs. So uh, owe a lot to that that platform. Yeah, I was actually the where I kind of wanted to go with that next is so you you had this background, you get into LinkedIn and you see it as this kind of very big opportunity. So this technology, uh, I'm curious how how LinkedIn as a technology and the people you've met as a result has impacted your life and career. If you if you had this career that was before it and you have all the different accolades and experiences from there, this technology is introduced. It gives you access to meet all of these people. You see the opportunity. Mm-hmm. Exactly how did that shift the trajectory of your career since then? Significantly. Um, back 2002, 2003 timeframe, uh, you know, some of us may remember going through the dot-com bubble burst and 9-11, all of that all at once kind of uh, you know, came came forward. So I was looking to relocate out of Los Angeles, which was a very expensive area to live in. Um, somebody had mentioned Raleigh, North Carolina was a good a good place to go, which is where I still am today. Uh, and I had uh, found LinkedIn and had 27 connections, all in marketing communications, and the majority of them in Raleigh, North Carolina, with the goal of finding the job. I mean, that's, that kind of was the bottom line. Flew out to Raleigh, had a couple of interviews, got the second one, uh, fast forward a year, I got contacted by the CEO of iContact, the LinkedIn profile, and wanted to talk to me about a communications job they had at the, the new company that they were putting together. Um, and so that's how that all started. So LinkedIn, you know, uh, has been significant in that regard. Uh, I've gotten probably three different corporate jobs from LinkedIn uh, and, and work with a lot of different executives on how to do that. Uh, job seekers are not my main audience, but uh, that's that's a big part of what uh, what's going on. Even to the point, Jeff, where I was uh, I was profiled back in 2005, 2006 timeframe uh, by the New York Times, along with a couple other people, on this new platform called LinkedIn and how effective it can be to find a good corporate job. Very cool. So it it definitely opened up doors for you that might not have otherwise been uh, opened. But something about it, you know, not everybody has the experience where they have success with LinkedIn. In fact, most of the people that I speak with. Um, you know, in my career in social media, that's that's kind of the one network that gives them the most difficulty in understanding how to use it properly. 
And at that time, I, I'm sure you wouldn't consider yourself a power user, but I think at this point, you're, you're probably among the more advanced and power users on LinkedIn. I'm curious what you think was kind of the secret to the success you've had using LinkedIn and kind of on a more 30,000 foot view, what do you think differentiates the power user from the average user on LinkedIn? I mean, is it how they use the newsfeed or direct messages or number of connections or a mindset? Like what is it? Yeah, it's not necessarily a number of connections and I'm close to 20,000 connections direct. Um, but that, you know, that, that is a really, you know, a 10 year, 10 years worth of work in regards to that. But a lot of it has to do with how to use the platform to connect with people. And that's part of what, um, you know, linking into pay it forward is all about the book that I wrote. It's about connecting with people on a one-on-one -on -one basis. Even though I may have 20,000 connections, I connect with them through messaging, um, sometimes through email, not often, but, uh, you know, group, group conversations, my content that I put out on LinkedIn, uh, a lot of that has to do with that. You know, and the second part of that, that title of the book is changing the value proposition. I do a lot of work with uh, paying it forward and, and asking people how I can be a service to them as opposed to coming into them. I'm sure you get these on a regular basis. You know, you get a think about you accepted and the first uh, next message back is a pitch for their services. Um, and that those, those guys are the ones that I disconnect with almost automatically uh, because what it's about. It's about uh, treating your connections like they're standing right in front of you, even though they may be on a platform. And that, that's kind of, I think, one of the keys to the success that I've had with LinkedIn and my clients have had uh, as they, they walk through my methods to figure out how to use LinkedIn for business. I have so many connections that I don't even remember how I made them or who these people are. And I, <laughs> I think a lot about like, you know, I'll get requests from people that I do know. They're like, oh, can you connect me to so-and-so? And I'm like, I literally have no idea mm -hmm. who it is. Am I even connected to them? Um, I'd imagine with 20,000 connections that you are, you experience that from time to time. Um, how do you manage to have that many connections? How do you manage to derive value especially when so much of your network is likely not people that you're, you know, going out to dinner with, sitting down for coffee with, having conversations with sure. people you're kind of tangentially or loosely connected to. How do you go about managing that to, to make actual value from it? Well, there's a couple of ways of value come in. And, you know, I mentioned I'm a pay it forward advocate. You know, I am the, the type of person who is, if you come to me and say, Hey, you know, I'm looking for a job and I know you're connected. So if I know you or I, I need to find out more information about you, I'll do that. But, you know, I, I like my, my phrase is I've got 19,999 people can help that one person uh, that may come forward and ask for, for a request for help in that regard. The other part of that is, is uh, you know, honestly, it's become one of my largest CRMs, obviously, with 20,000 names throughout the country and the world. Uh, wherever I'm traveling, uh, I'm going to Wichita in a week and using all of it. You know, I will connect with folks down in those areas and say, hey, I'm going to be in town. Let's see if you got time for a drink. Let's do that. Uh, I know you and I are part of a couple of Facebook groups. We do similar things in that regard. So um, that, that's a big part of that. Um, you know, and I'm very careful. Um, one of the interesting parts of that is recommendations on LinkedIn. I don't recommend a lot of people. Uh, and, and that comes down to I must know you or, or have conversations with you, feel comfortable recommending you before I will actually write a recommendation, which is different than saying, hey, you know what? Yeah, I'll pass your name on to somebody or I'll give you more information on uh, a job that may be, uh, may be coming up that you're interested in. Yeah. It's, uh, it's definitely like a fine needle to thread, uh, between mm -hmm. 
know, who you accept, who you don't accept, how you wind up helping those people. I think it's interesting that you mentioned that you disconnect with people that jump into the sales pitch because that means that if you have 20,000 connections and, and I know how often that happens to me, good God, how many connection requests have you gotten in the time you've been on LinkedIn? It's probably somewhere close to a hundred thousand. Uh, cause I feel like mm-hmm. I have so many of those experiences where people just tell me, I wrote a post about it called, uh, uh, purgatory, where it's just all of these people that either are sending me connection requests and I have no idea who they are and there's no message or contact, mm-hmm. or it's people talking about how they think it would be valuable for them to connect to me. And I'm not, it's not a really good sales pitch, I don't think. Um, so I, I can't imagine what your experience is like with, with that many. Um, but so, so I guess the, the kind of underlying point here is connection, right? Like I think that's the thing that this comes back to, being connected to people, understanding how to offer value in those situations and how to derive value from it in some cases just from offering that value. So connection is this obviously important component of all social media success and it doesn't come easy to a lot of people. I like people, obviously you do because you wouldn't connect to this many people and try and help them if you didn't. But what right. would you your secret sauce that allows you to not only embrace this connection, but to push deeper into it and really thrive from it? Yeah, there, there's, and it's not a formula necessarily, but there's a method. I mean, honestly, if I get a connection request from somebody, it's a generic request. I have scripts that I you know, work with my clients on as well. But basically, the script is, is uh, you know, take a look at my profile. I don't accept generic invitations. Tell me why you want to connect. And if I hear back from you, you know, I'll be glad to connect or I'll consider connecting. Actually, we change that a little bit. Um, so, you know, I do that. And if somebody does respond back, then at least they're serious about what's going on. Uh, and that makes a difference. So that's one part of that as far as, you know, how I connect the other, the other aspect of, and I believe you, Jeff, you know, Bob Berg, uh, with the go-getters and, and the go-givers, sorry. Um, but, but his know, like, and trust is a big aspect of what I do. So I've got to know you, I've got to like you, and I've got to trust you before I'll either recommend you or do business with you. Um, but the, the other aspect of that is once I connect with you, um, if, if it makes sense and there's things that we can talk about, I'll usually set up a, a 15, 20 minute phone call just to kind of get to know you better. Um, and, and it's interesting how many people will say phone call. What, what's that about? You know, we don't do those much anymore, but, um, you know, it does make a difference. And then at the end of that phone call, when we're done, one of the things that I request is for them to send me over information about who they are and their services as if I was a potential client. So that if there's some reason I do have a need to recommend them to somebody else, I know what to say and I can do that very easily. So, and, and I do that for them as well. So that, that seems to work very well. Yeah. I love that because I, it's, it's cool to hear you talk about this because I have several systems that I'm like early in the development of, of using, but, um, uh, from a while back in, in the, one of the groups that we both share, somebody mentioned a program called text expander and I've learned to love mm-hmm. that. This, you know, you can create a little shortcut of copy and it'll fill in larger blocks of text. So I've, I've taken to when I meet people, one of my first connection points with them is to ask them to send me over kind of their sales pitch or how, how they would like to right. be used if, if I was going to make an introduction for them. And I save that in my text expansion. Mm-hmm. If like, like for you, it'd be like meet Chuck Hester. And when I type that, it would, it would fill in all of the different things that you had said you would want to be introduced as. So that's one of the things I do. I really mm-hmm. love of having sort of like some canned responses to all of those either no context LinkedIn requests or the ones that you get all the time they're the same where you want to ask them to dig a little bit deeper. I think that that's a really smart right. way. But it, I think the big thing here is that you have a lot of systems and you're very thoughtful about the way that you do these things. I'm curious, there's a thing that people do with LinkedIn a lot 
that I'm curious your take on, which is you said you use your LinkedIn kind of as a big CRM and there are ways right. where you can kind of pull out contact information from that. And some people will go so far as to use that, add that to their actual CRM and email people. Now that no like, and trust line is, is kind of tough to, to, uh, you know, boil down to one point because it sounds like you are fairly open in terms of how many people that you'll actually connect to, but that number of people that you know, like, and trust is smaller. What are your feelings on that idea of using your LinkedIn kind of database as a starting point for email marketing communications? Do you think that all communications should stay on platform or is it okay to bring it off? No, it's okay to move it off as long as you have permission. And you know, my, my background as a former director of communications where I contact, you know, my email marketing best practices always resonate in the back of my head when, when this kind of information comes up. Um, I don't get an email from somebody and, and often, sometimes I'm sure you get it as well. You know, the email may start up, hey, I believe that we're connected on LinkedIn and therefore I'm sending you this message. Well, if you're not sure, um, then why are you trying to send that message? You're basically spamming me to a certain extent. Um, so, you know, if you if you send me a quick message on platform and LinkedIn and say, hey, you know what, I've got a, a great newsletter and occasionally I'd like to send you more information. Is that okay? Uh, that's, that's basically permission. So I, I don't mind that too much. If I know the person, you know, and, and you and I have mutual contact, I can name some names, but, you know, throw out a name. Like if Craig Newmark were to send me a newsletter, I probably would accept it. Uh, without too much difficulty, because I know Craig very well. Um, you know, but if I don't know this person, John Smith sends me an email and it's about financial services or whatever it may be, um, I'm probably going to find him on LinkedIn and disconnect with him because he has, has not asked for permission or I unsubscribe to the letter is probably the easier way to do that. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, let me ask you about some of the recent changes in LinkedIn. Um, so you've been really sharpening your expertise and thought leadership on LinkedIn for a while now. Um, so since mm -hmm. it's become this, you know, must use business tool, LinkedIn has added this whole variety of different features, blogging, native video, live streaming, they've got new advertising options and all this other stuff. Uh, sure. I, when I was looking into stuff that you've been writing and things you've been doing in August of last year, you wrote a post called not your father's LinkedIn three ways. LinkedIn is now a major personal branding platform. So mm -hmm. the question is, is that with all these changes to the platforms, what, if anything, has changed about how you recommend the way that people use LinkedIn these days, as opposed to how you might have recommended they do it in the early days? Yeah, and it, it goes back to content marketing, which is a significant part of, and, and honestly, LinkedIn is my content marketing platform. Um, but content marketing on LinkedIn four years ago, three years ago, I was looking back to see when I started publishing. As a LinkedIn publisher, I was one of the betas that started it. Um, and I've got 50 some odd blog posts up there now. Um, you know, the long form blog post of six to eight paragraphs and information there. I mean, that when it first came out, that was the thing to do. Um, and, I, as, and as a matter of fact, I just wrote a new blog post on three things you need to do on, on your LinkedIn profile today. Um, and I did this for a reason. I wanted to see if LinkedIn publishing was still viable and if it really made sense or if, in fact, the, the area that I use for content marketing more than anything else is the status update. Um, and to see which would work. So what I did basically, it's a you know it's an article with three different things that you do for your profile. Uh, I wrote that article, posted it, and you know I got 150 some odd views, something like that. Um, then what I did is, and I recommend this to my executive uh, training clients that I work with. I took that post and then I broke it up into three different phases. So in other words, the you know here's here's something you need to do on your LinkedIn profile today. One quick sentence, and I put it in a status update. 
that status update alone on that first one has gotten 10x the number of viewers that I had on the, the overall profile. I'm sorry, overall um, uh, blog post that I did. So those are the things that are changing as far as what I'm seeing is content marketing, how it's being used. The second thing that, that's changing is the use of video. Uh, and, and that's that's becoming significant. Um, and it, it, it's a lot of fun. I mean, there's a really easy way to you know do LinkedIn video, especially on your phone. Um, LinkedIn Live is now in beta, and a lot of folks are getting a chance to use it. That'll become uh, significant fairly soon. Um, so I'm telling my my clients and the folks that I'm working with, and actually one area that we're we're playing with right now is uh, within the profile in the in the about us section is to do a quick video introduction of yourself. So you do 30 to 60 seconds on who you are. This is my profile. Let's connect. Um, so we have a lot of fun with that as well. So those are the things that are changing significantly over the last couple of years. That's great to hear from you because I'm a huge fan of rich media on LinkedIn profiles. And it's something that mm -hmm. I recommend a lot. It's something that, you know, if I'm assessing auditing and scoring somebody's profile, that's something where I would definitely say, look, people are going to come here and check you out and learn about you. Don't you want to present yourself in the best way? Think of it more as like a, a website than, you know, a profile. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and in, in one of my, my marketing heroes, Seth Godin, I mean, his, his, my favorite phrase from his is counterintuitive point of view. Right now, rich media and video is not well used on LinkedIn profiles. So if you get a chance to get that out there, um, then you can stand out in the crowd. And, and that can make a difference for you as well. So that's one of my recommendations uh, for folks that I'm, I'm developing profiles for. Yeah, just getting in early and, you know, building up that uh, that momentum before anybody else gets there and it gets too crowded. Yeah, absolutely. So if somebody were, I, I think everybody that's in business nowadays has to have had, has to have a LinkedIn profile, whether or not they use it is another thing. But um, mm -hmm. if somebody were listening right now and they didn't have a LinkedIn profile, or let's say that some of our listeners might be coming out of college and just starting their career and they were you know, going to start their, uh, you know, building their profile for the first time, what are some of the kind of hot tips that you would suggest? Uh, I read your three things you should do today. Uh, you know, the headline, the about section, and the contact information. I think those are three great starting points for sure. But if you were to mm -hmm. kind of give somebody, you're like 60 second, you, you know, you ran into them and they're like, hey, I'm starting a LinkedIn profile, Chuck, what should I do? What would you say? Like, hey, go and do these things. Don't miss it. This is the place to really focus your time and attention. Sure. Um, yeah, and, and, and the number one thing, in the, the, what I use with my, my clients as well, um, develop an SEO keyword list. And that means basically what would your potential customer, your potential employer, who, a business partner, whoever it may be, what phrases are they going to use to find you and hire you one way or the other or work or do business with you? And then those are then, lack of a better way to put this, sprinkled out through your headline, uh, your about section, and your your experience. So those are the type of things. It's in the contact, contact information as well. Uh, so that's a big part of that. I'm, you know, I, my my favorite phrase is nobody uh, types in vice president of sales on a LinkedIn search to try and find somebody for a sales position. Uh, what they're looking for is, you know, a, a sales leader who has met quota over the last six quarters or something along that line. Um, those type of things can make a difference. And, and you know, unfortunately, keywords are important, uh, both in, you know, applicant tracking systems and LinkedIn in particular. And it's interesting, too, because LinkedIn has its own search algorithm. It's separate from Google. So those five areas that I talk about within LinkedIn that are important that you have that information um, are used in search on a regular basis. 
And a side note, too, by the way, it's kind of interesting to see. Uh, I, I just read an article yesterday that um, basically, you know, LinkedIn has become the new Google in regards to your personal professional profile. So if they type in your name, probably the first thing they're going to see is your LinkedIn profile. That should be number one. Uh, as far as that goes. So um, that's why it's that, that important to make sure it's SEO rich more than anything else. I really struggle with that because I, everything you're saying makes sense. And I really like, I, I know that I should have a keyword list and I know I should, but my LinkedIn headline, if you haven't seen it is um, lovable leader and the world's most handsome social media and content strategist. Um, the book mm-hmm. called the lovable leader and the world's most handsome social media and content marketing strategist, while not really good from a search perspective, I got to tell you, and it's completely counter to your advice about being cute in your LinkedIn headline. It is, it is, mm-hmm. got, it is so widely beloved in my circle in Philadelphia of people uh, that it's like a running gag of, you know, people will call me up and they'll say, is this the world's most handsome social media and content marketing strategist? So it may not have served the purpose of, you know, getting me found on LinkedIn, but it's done a pretty good job of giving me like a, a nifty little personal brand here in Philadelphia. Yeah. And the personal branding is halo effect as well. I mean, so having that personal branding, your quirkiness, that that makes sense. But believe it or not, you've actually done some work in SEO there by having content marketing strategist in the headline. Yeah, Um, I did did try to not go too far off the path. I did. I needed to put at least. But yeah. Um, Well, I want to ask you a couple questions about, um, you know, your direct experiences on there, because I think people that are trying to learn from you know, people who have achieved success in any given field, it's, it's important to know about things that they've done well and things that they haven't done well. So I want to ask sure. you about what might be, if you had to just stop and think for a second about your greatest success story uh, from LinkedIn, whether it's meeting someone and forming an amazing friendship or meeting someone and getting an amazing job opportunity or a speaking opportunity or changing someone's life or whatever it is, um, you know, take us down the inspirational path of what, what happened in your life that we could look at and say, wow, that's the sort of thing that's possible here on LinkedIn? Yeah. Um, the most recent, I, I have been doing some personal professional branding work for an agency owner. Um, and he came to me and the first thing in his message was, I've been following your, your content on LinkedIn for six years. And now I finally realized that it's important for me to start doing some stuff. And the only person I really wanted to talk to was you. Uh, so that's that's kind of how that started. It was not a warm lead. It was a, a sold lead even before we started talking. Um, so that was, you know, those those type of things. Because I and you do this as well, Jeff. But you know, as a content marketer, and you're you're you know, I I write status updates three to five to times a week uh, and publish on a regular basis. And, and there's occasions where you're wondering, okay, so is anybody other than my circle of friends actually seeing that information? Is it making an impact? Um, so though, when that, that phone call came about and I had that conversation, I mean, it, it was validation as far as that goes. So that was significant. Um, the other one too is, you know, I've, I've done corporate jobs off and on and not the one I'm currently in, but the one prior to this, um, basically I was out for about a, um, probably two to three months, something like that. I wrote a blog post and basically said, you know, I'm going to be transparent and straightforward. You know, I'm, I'm an older guy and, but I'm, you know, marketing savvy and somebody should hire me. I mean, that was kind of the bottom line on that. It was a longer post. That post had 40,000 hits. And in the process of somebody came forward and said, I know a startup that's looking for marketing help and VP marketing would be great for you. And they hired me. I mean, you know, it took a couple of uh, interviews, obviously, to do. But, you know, so it is possible 
to be out there and and doing that. The, but I guess the most important thing that I want to want to impart is really the fact that to be on this platform for business, that's true, but you also need to be there, as we talked about earlier, for connections and friendships and, and who you're going to be involved with on a regular basis, um, because that's going to make the difference. If you're in it just to do sales, um, and I understand that a lot of people have that for, uh, for a job description, they must do that, um, then you're kind of missing the boat. You really aren't, aren't using LinkedIn as, as a rich platform that can be used to, to really, you know, enhance the circle of friends that you have and the folks that, as I call them, I have, uh, you know, on Twitter every Friday, I put out uplifters. I have a group of uplifters who I can, if I've got issues or questions or problems, um, that, you know, it's two o'clock in the morning phone call, um, that somebody would come right over. So I have that virtually through my LinkedIn connections. That's really awesome. And that is a, a super, inspirational way of looking at it. And, um, and I think there's a lot of, a lot of things that people should take away from that. I think we've kind of loosely touched on and, and covered the, you, you mentioned it with the whole salesperson thing, but, um, mm-hmm. a lot of people that are on there, they're doing a lot of like just, just ineffective tactics of trying to make connections and benefit from go the, the go, uh, getters instead of the go givers. Right. Um, those the givers, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. So the people that are there trying to just take whatever they can and get as much value and sell, sell, sell or whatever. So that's clearly a behavior that I think we've all experienced. Anyone listening, you and I both experience, and it, it feels kind of icky and we don't like it. I'm curious mm-hmm. since there's, there's no success without failure. I'm curious maybe what some of the things that you've learned to know better, I guess if you were to like, look back on your, your career on LinkedIn and the things that you've, you've done, what do you know now that if you could go back, you would tell yourself to do differently? Uh, that's a good question. Um, honestly, I think it would be it'd been more focused on on what I really wanted to do and what I wanted to be passionate about, and that's content marketing, speaking, and and seminar leading, and um, you know because I split energies, and that that's kind of the bottom line on that. Uh, and early on, I guess the other thing I would say is early on, I was you no. Know, I was in a group called Lion, and if you're not familiar, it's called LinkedIn Open Networkers. So basically, literally, you would give them your email address and information, and they would put it into a database, and any Lion has access to that database to then invite you uh, on to connect on LinkedIn. I did that early on um, and found that a lot of people were just trying to rack up the numbers. You know, there's there's the old story of the, the reason that they have 500 plus on your connections is because folks were trying to see how many connections numbers they could get on their LinkedIn profile. Alliance was a big part of that. Um, I disconnected from that group mainly because I felt like it wasn't quality connection. Uh, it was basically trying to, to like I said, just rack up numbers. Yeah, I wish there was some sort of a following mechanism on LinkedIn so that you didn't have to, like the, the connection thing I think is great, but I think they should force that you have to include a message on any connection request. And I think that they should give people right. the opportunity to follow you because they might want to see your content, but it doesn't necessarily mean that you want to be connected with them and refer them and, you know, make introductions for them and give them, you know, the kind of access you might give to a connection. I wish they would do something. Well, like there, I'm sorry, let me interrupt, but there is, you can actually just follow somebody. And I have X number of followers versus X number of connections. Don't you um, and there's also, for that, there's also a trick well, I'm, I'm sorry. Don't you have to be at a certain level for that? Because I don't think anybody, I don't think, I, I, so no. you're, in, you're in that, like uh, the blogger influencer 
part of LinkedIn, but I don't think I can just be followed. Yes, uh, you can. There's actually a mechanism to do that within the LinkedIn profile. So you can actually, it's, you know, yeah. Offline somewhere, Jeff, I will send it to you because it's an explanation and a screenshot. Uh, but basically you can change it where they have to, they can go in and the first button they see is not to send a connection request, but in fact follow. Um, so yeah, there's a way around that. And a lot of, a lot of the influencers that I know are starting to move into that direction, uh, as opposed to trying to get all these, you know, the connections that come through. Wow. Well, you just absolutely taught me something that I had no idea existed. And I feel like I should. Yeah, no. I'm embarrassed by that. I, I should totally know that. <laughs> Thank you. I really appreciate that. You're welcome. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, I think that you have been an incredibly informative guest. The, the information you've passed along in this, I think, is, is everybody should listen to this episode like five times. That's what I think. And share it with people. But um, Chuck, tell people where well, they can you. learn more about you, where they can, um, you know, I guess, obviously, we're going to put your LinkedIn in the show notes. But tell people where they can go and learn more about you, you know, hire you to speak, uh, get your book, any of the things that you want to share. This part of the show is for you. Tell people where they can go and be social with you and connect. Sure. Um, the best way, obviously, is through LinkedIn. Um, and, and the easiest way to do that, obviously, don't send a generic invitation. But if you mention that you've heard me on this show, um, then I will connect with you directly. Not a problem whatsoever, as far as that goes. I do have a website. It's kind of a smaller website called ChuckHester.com. Uh, it's got information. But more on the you know the day-to-day, if you're interested in my content, I own the hashtag, hashtag L-I-T-I-P, L-I-T-I-P. Uh, and that's where I, I put my LinkedIn tips up on a regular basis. They can find me there. Um, and then I'm, I'm all over the web. Um, I own Chuck Hester pretty much. So it's Chuck at ChuckHester.com. That's where you can find me, uh, you know, to, to ask me about my book, my speaking, uh, the seminars that I can do, and the one-on-one executive training because I do two one-hour sessions with executives on how to use LinkedIn. Uh, and, and we customize that training to based on the executive's needs. Awesome. Uh, everyone listening, I strongly encourage you to follow Chuck. His content is absolute fire. And if you're trying to figure out how to use LinkedIn and be become an expert in it and get, get and deliver value, please, for God's sakes, go follow Chuck. He's awesome. Um, so I guess if I had to say this episode was anything, I guess I would say it's shareable. Wait, the show's not over yet. I have some important announcements. If you made it this far, you're clearly a dedicated fan or you're in the middle of vacuuming and just haven't hit stop on your podcasting app. Whatever the case, we want to thank you. We're not just music to your ears, we're music to your inbox. If you subscribe to our email list at sharablepodcast.com slash subscribe, not only will you get access to our private Facebook group, you'll also get all of our blog posts, newsletters, special announcements, and more. You won't find any of that in your podcast feed. You can follow the show at shareable underscore pod on Twitter and just shareable podcast on everything else. You can find Jeff online at jeffgibber.com and you can connect with me on Twitter at Caroline Sohn because I don't have a website yet. So go ahead, call us, leave a message, subscribe to our list, leave a rating, review us on iTunes, tell a friend, tell your mom. If she's like my mom, she'll love it. And now for the thank you portion to all the folks that make this podcast possible, shout out to DJ Quads for the use of our theme song, Always, and Ahamitsu for the use of our outro song, Adventures. And a big thank you to Ray Bueno for all of that sexy production value. 